Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. There is some breaking news. Uh, You may be familiar with Shani Luke. Uh, Shani Luke is one of the uh, people who German uh, Jewish. She was at the music festival captured by Hamas. She was paraded in the streets. Uh, some uh, skeptics, including somebody who works for Turning Point USA, suggested she was in a hospital in Gaza and everything was fine. Uh, she's been found beheaded. So there you have it. Um, the the excuses people make. So I I I, I wasn't going to do this. I actually have, have shaken up what I was going to do because I get I'm getting asked this question a lot. Uh, in fact, let me read you one of the emails I got from Carolyn. Thank you for your insight and show. I can't call during your show, but I listen and have a question. What's the history on why the Jews are so hated? Growing up Christian and in church, I was never taught Jews were to be hated. I know there's a long history with many nations, but I still don't understand why they're so hated. Thanks for considering answering this. And then it, it, so Carolyn is, is one of the people. A lot of people have been asking this question. I, I want to tr- do my best to explain this to you. I'm not an expert, but I read the experts and I've talked to enough people. So let me let me step back and I want to be sensitive and delicate to the question of why is it that there's so much anti-Semitism pouring out all over the world? To begin, we've got to go back to part of the beginning. In the early Christian church, we're talking Roman imperial existence uh, prior to AD 70 and the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, What was happening was early Christians still identified as Jewish to a degree or tied into Jews. Jews, because of their nature and their religion, had special protections in the Roman Empire. Uh, while most people were forced to worship the Roman gods, the, the Romans understood it. These people, you're not going to force them to worship the Roman gods. They, they'd rather be annihilated than worship the Roman gods. So Jews were given allowances to worship uh, God as they so chose, the real God. Christians were going to the synagogues. But over time, uh, the Christians were saying that, hey, you know, God's come back already. Uh, his name's Jesus. He rose again from the dead, and, and that's actually Yahweh. That, that's God. And the Jews were like, nope, no, it's not. And, and the Jews began pushing the Christians out of the synagogues. The, some of the early Christians, and then with the rise of uh, Constantine and the conversion of the Roman Empire to Christianity— began openly blaming the Jews for killing Christ. They blamed the Jews, not humanity, not sinners, but Jews. And thus began uh, the rise of Christian anti-Semitism in the West. People who pay back to the Jews decided to slander the Jews. Yes, it's true. It was the Sanhedrin, and it was the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem, but it was also the Romans. And if you actually read the story, it's humanity itself, the fallen world, the sinners of the world, 
The only reason the Jews killed Christ is because Jesus was Jewish. If Jesus had actually been born in the Germanic period, we'd be blaming the Germans. It's just where he was as a geolocation matter and, and, and who he descended from. And uh, Christians slandered the Jews. And if you go to the early reformers in the Christian church, Martin Luther and, and others, they were very anti-Semitic. And, and uh, there are some who argue that their anti-Semitism came from the Catholicity of, of the era. It was the Catholics of the era were deeply anti-Semitic. Martin Luther, who had been a Catholic priest, come from that came from that tradition and, and blasted the Jews and wanted them to embrace Christ. And a lot of Christian literature in the Renaissance and the late Renaissance era and the Reformation period was deeply anti-Semitic. And it spread through Europe. And in spreading through Europe, something else happened. You know, if you read the Bible, one of the reasons the Jews were sent into exile to Babylon is they never did a jubilee. They never forgave people their debts. They would charge high rates on loans. It's one of the um, parables of the, the shrewd business manager that Jesus talks about where he forgives a lot of debts. What it was is uh, you weren't allowed to charge usury rates. You weren't allowed to charge interest in, in the Old Testament. And what they would do is they would just charge inflated rates uh, for lending money. They, they would charge you a lot of extra money. And, and he was cutting the rates back to what they should have been to get himself in good before he lost his job. And in the Middle Ages, uh, the Catholics and then the Protestants who came out of the Reformation forced the Jews to be the moneylenders because they viewed it as sinful. And so the Christians forced the Jews into the businesses that the Christians believed they themselves should have no business doing under Scripture. And so... The Jews became the entertainers because it, it was sinful to be on stage as an actor. A lot of, a lot of people of the day, the Puritans and others, they, they wanted to be entertained, but they didn't want to do the entertaining because that, was, that would be sinful. So they made the Jews be the actors. They made the Jews be the bankers and the moneylenders. So guess what happened over time? Jewish people who were forced into these jobs, if they wanted to make a living, became really good at the jobs which allowed the twisting anti-Semitism to then say, hey, look at this, the Jews control the banks. The Jews control the money. The Jews control Hollywood. Well, yeah, because you idiots forced them to. You idiots, you're, you're, you're the ones who made them do it, and they got really good at it, and they, they began providing a living for themselves and others, and, and they got really good at it because you people didn't want to get your hands dirty, so you made them get their hands dirty. And now you're twisted, and so you get to the rise of Adolf Hitler. And what Adolf Hitler did is he said, look at the Jews controlling the world, controlling the money, controlling all these things. Well, yes, because you forced them to. And now you're using them as a scapegoat because you can't accept blame for your own responsibility. So the history of European civilization, going back to the, the, the church period, was you blamed the Jews for everything that went wrong, so you didn't have to accept responsibility for your own problems and your own sins. You blame them for killing Jesus. You blame them for controlling the banking system. You blame them in this country for controlling Hollywood, and you're the one who made them do it. God forbid you blame yourself. The Nazis 
meanwhile, were picking up the pieces of the Ottoman Empire. Hitler coveted expansion. And so a lot of the Arab parties that existed after the Ottomans, they went to Germany because Germany was the intellectual capital of Europe, and they went for Western ideas in Germany. And guess what they learned in Germany, these Arab parties? They learned about how the Jews were bad and controlled banking and finance and were all the actors and and controlled America, and you had the Rothschilds and others, and you had all these sinister anti-Semitic conspiracies being taught by the Germans to the Arab parties including the Bathists. The Bathists were the Arab Nazi party and the Muslim Brotherhood, which Hamas spun out of. They were all in Germany getting educated before and during World War II, and then they went back to their Arab lands. And they began teaching their children about how bad the Jews had become in Europe. Hitler tries to exterminate the Jews. After the war is over, the European powers realizing, you know what, we really screwed this thing up and we need to do something, they send the Jews back to Israel, their native land. Now, you got to go back in history to AD 70 where uh, the, the Romans tore down the temple but they allowed the Jews to stay until Hadrian and I think 8135 or 136 somewhere purged them and forced the Jews out of Israel. In fact, told them, you're not allowed to live here anymore. He renamed the province of the Roman province of Judea, which is Israel, renamed it to Palestine as a slight to the Jews, designed willfully to insult them because Palestine was the Latin uh, translation for the Philistines. And he allowed Arab uh, tribal pilgrims to move in. Now, they weren't Muslim at the time. Islam was not yet a thing. These were all a bunch of desperate tribes. It was only uh, hundreds of years later that Muhammad united these people, conquered them, converted them all to Islam, and they became Muslim Arabs. They were Arab tribes that had various pagan religions until Muhammad slaughtered the pagans and converted the others to Islam. And there they were in the Jewish lands that the Romans wouldn't allow the Jews to exist in. Well, after Hadrian died, you get to Diocletian, and then you get to Constantine. Constantine didn't want the Jews anywhere around him because, you know, they killed Jesus. So he told them, you can go back to Israel. And they settled there peacefully, by and large, until the 1900s, when all these Arab leaders who had gone to Germany to learn how to do science and and government came back and were like, hey, did you know these people? They're really bad. Uh, we should kill them. And then you had this colonizer theories started cropping up that the Jews were actually Europeans who were colonizing the Middle East. Look, they didn't look like the native Middle, Eastern, Middle Easterners. Their skin color was was lighter. They sounded more European. They had European ways. Clearly, they're not one of us. Clearly, they're colonizers. Never mind, it was their native lands. And those ideas began to spread through the Arab world. The Palestinians were never liked by the other Arab countries. But those Arab countries, after the fall of of the British imperial hold in the Middle East after World War II, began to identify with the Palestinian cause 
because they needed to keep their people contained and controlled. And so just like the Germans and the Europeans, they blamed the Jews for everything. So they did not have to account for the fact that they and their people were living in squalor. The leaders were getting wealthy. The people were living in squalor. It was easier to blame the Jews than accept responsibility. And that tended to be the historic situation. The Jews were blamed for every problem to avoid the other leaders having to account for their own failures. It invaded then the intellectual thinking of the Arab world thanks to the Nazis. And then it invaded the academy thanks to the communists. And it has spread around the world as this colonizer decolonization philosophy pronounced by Marxist in the academy has indoctrinated students over time. And the Jews, because so many of them had come from Europe to Israel after World War II, were perceived as European colonizers, pay no attention to history because the common thread through all of this is that progressivism has no sense of history. You don't need to know history if you're a progressive. History repeats itself. You start from day one here today and you move forward. History repeats itself, and you find scapegoats. That's progressivism. It's woven in with Nazism and Marxism, with communism, and all of it needed a scapegoat to avoid accepting blame for failures, and all of them have blamed the Jews. And it's playing out now on college campuses and around the world as many failed Arab governments and European governments and failed academics, instead of accounting for truth and history and the way the world works, would rather peddle conspiracy theories against the Jews. Christians in the United States have largely avoided the medieval and Reformation period blaming of Jews for killing Jesus. By the 1900s, the 1800s and the 1900s, Christianity had sorted itself out on that point, and, and a lot of the uh, American evangelicals, even going back to the 1700s and 1800s, Jonathan Edwards and the like, were very clear that uh, the moral of the story is not that the Jews killed Jesus, but humanity itself did. All people everywhere were to blame. But in Europe, they blamed the Jews, and they pointed to the positions and to the power that they put the Jews in finance and industry and uh, the academy and in Hollywood even. And they said, look at them, look at them. They've taken this over. Well, yes, they did. They had to because you forced them to and they got good at it. And now you hate them for it. The history of anti-Semitism is boiled down to this. A whole lot of people did a whole lot of bad things. And instead of accepting responsibility for the bad things they did, they decided they wanted to blame the Jews because everyone everywhere always likes a scapegoat. And sadly, through too much of history, the Jews have been the scapegoat for too much of the world. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? I got to go buy Halloween candy. Uh, have you all forgot? I, I didn't even decorate this year for Halloween. I'll go get my pumpkin and put it on the front porch. But I just, I, I you know, Halloween has gotten all the rage. And, and with everybody, we got all these elaborate setups in our neighborhood from people. I'd rather decorate for Christmas than for Halloween. I just less and less am a fan of the holiday. It's just embraced by by. Everybody is the freaky pagan holiday, and I just, yeah, I, I've become that guy, I think. I, get off my lawn. I'll put out candy. I think I might even do full-size candy bars for people this year. Maybe. But I just, I, I'm less and less excited to, like, decorate for every holiday out there. 
uh, other than Christmas. I like to decorate for Christmas, and, and truth be told now, we hire a landscaper to come over and put all the lights up for us because my wife gets really mad at me because it takes me forever to take stuff down after Christmas. Like, I keep lights up for Christmas until January 6th because that's the way God intended it, till Epiphany. Uh, they You turn them off the evening of January 5th or it's bad luck, but you keep your lights. There are 12 days of Christmas, people. And January or December 25th is the first day, not the last day. I don't understand you people who take your Christmas decorations out on Christmas, but then I just don't understand all the people who go out of their way to to decorate everything for Halloween either because I used to decorate more for Halloween, but I just am less excited about all the, the, the kooky, crazy, atheist, pagan people who've turned it into their holiday. I don't want to celebrate it with them, but I'll give out good candy bars tomorrow night if I remember to go buy them today. Totally forgot. My wife is totally not into Halloween anymore now that the kids are grown. I got to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I won't give these out for Halloween, but uh, you should get some. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. You get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving money. You're getting uh, free shipping. And you're wiping out bad odors, pet odors, little box odors, smoke odors, just foul odors. You can wipe them out with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. They work. I keep one. You can hold them about this. They're a little bigger than your hand. You keep them in your travel bag. I had a hotel room this weekend up in Woodstock for my wife's event. I did not have to use them. It was great. Nice Holiday Inn Express. Newly renovated. Well done. But I had one just in case. This weekend when I head to Louisiana, I'll keep one there because good Lord, the rental car all the time smells bad. EdenPureDeals.com. You go there. You can plug these things in with a USB cord and a car directly into the wall. At EdenPureDeals.com, you'll see a discount code box on the front page of the site, and you put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You can wipe out odors and clean the air, get rid of the pollen and the dust and all that stuff as well. EdenPureDeals.com. Hello, friends. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to shift gears from all the politics and all the the Israeli situation. I want to talk... Uh, briefly about technology in a case that's pending. A bipartisan group of attorneys general. Notice, notice grammar Nazis. I said gr- attorneys general, not attorney generals. They are suing Meta, the parent company of Facebook, saying that Meta makes Facebook and Instagram too addictive. Um, now you should know, full disclosure, Meta has sponsored my conference. Um, I do have relationships there along with another of tech companies. Uh, but I, 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 while I can criticize them, I'm, I'm going to criticize this lawsuit. I think it's dumb. Um, part of the base of the lawsuit is, is that they, they have willfully designed Facebook and Instagram to make it sticky to kids that, that kids can't let go. It fosters some level of addiction. I can tell you, my kids spend way more time on YouTube than Facebook. So why aren't these attorneys general suing Google, Alphabet, the parent company of YouTube and Google? Why why are they going after Meta? I know far fewer kids who are addicted to Facebook than YouTube. We've had to impose constraints on my kids and their use of YouTube because they're on it all the time. That they, they consume uh, vast amounts of data from from YouTube. My kids aren't into TikTok, but there's another one. There are far more kids using Snapchat and TikTok nonstop than than Meta. It just seems like 
they're picking a target uh, because of the politics of the age and not really because of the stickiness of the site. It uh, honestly, uh, the 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 what's going on here to me in large part, to me sounds very much like attorneys general have decided that they have to step in for parents because parents aren't being parents. And that's the big red flag to me. Uh, if a website is sticky and addictive to a kid, parents can turn them off. What's really going on here is a lot of parents are abdicating responsibility to the state. Now, listen, you should know, I, I've got uh, some friends of mine or some of the attorneys general suing Meta, and I've told them I think it's a dumb lawsuit, and they've tried to defend it, the what about, what about, what about, what about, and, and my what about is what about YouTube? Far more kids use YouTube far more often at an addictive rate than Facebook, and in fact, I think you can make the same argument about YouTube you've made about Facebook. In fact, you can actually make the argument better about YouTube, but you've avoided YouTube and I would like to know why. But honestly, the reality is this. A child has this thing that dominates their life or should. That thing is called a parent. The parent is the human being who caused the birth of the child or the adoption of the child into their family and takes charge of the child and is responsible for the child. And if the parent has allowed the child to be online on a device using Facebook or uh, Instagram or any other service, that's on the parent. It's not the business of the state to sue technology companies for allowing kids access to their platforms and maybe too much access to their platforms when the parents are supposed to be in charge. And all you've done is you've broken down the very conservative principle that parents are in charge of the child and you've allowed the state progressively to step in and play the role of the child and to combat big businesses that the parents very easily can combat by taking the device away from the child. But the parents don't want to take the advice away from the child because the parents have decided not to parent, but to abdicate the parenting to the device. And so the state attorneys general have decided to step in and say, we're not going to take the device away from the kid. We're going to just punish Meta for making YouTube or making Instagram and Facebook too fun for the kids. Now, let's be honest here. I know a lot of people who said, I'd never give my kid a screen. I'll never give my kid a cell phone. I'll never give my kid an iPad. I'll never give my kid a device they can access the internet. And do you know what we call the people who say those things? Childless. Usually single people. Say, I'll never do this, and then you have a child, and oh my gosh, you need the kid to shut up and be distracted for five minutes so you can poop without the child walking in on you, wiping your butt. And so what do you do? You hand them a screen, and that screen occupies your child's time long enough for you to take a dump in the quiet of your own bathroom where you yourself can surf the reels on Instagram without having to worry about your child setting fire to the house because your child is entertained by the screen that you opposed when you were childless and said, I'll never 
give my kid the screen and you didn't realize that if you don't give your child the screen, your child will wander into the bathroom mid poop and have a conversation with you. So you got to do something. So the screen becomes the babysitter. Y'all know it's true. My wife went from the kids wandering in on her when she pooped to the dog doing it. She's like, I got another kid now. Like, why don't you lock the door? My children have never walked in on me use the bathroom because I lock the door. Now they're old enough. They don't want to see it anyway. But when they were little, they tried. No, sorry, Bob, I'm locking the door. I don't understand why my wife did but she's like, they may need something. Give them the iPad. They'll be distracted. You go use the bathroom. The kids will be distracted by the screen. We're totally fine with that. And of course, I will tell you, we were also the, I'll never give my kid a, kid a phone until they're old enough to drive. And, and both of my kids did, but I'll tell you why they did. Uh, it was actually fascinating. My oldest daughter, when we moved her to her current school, was struggling to make friends at the new school. And I volunteered to be one of the chaperones for a field trip to Atlanta. The new school, the parents had to drive and chaperone, and we did, and I, I it was remarkable. I had four girls in my car who said not a single word for an hour and a half drive. They texted each other. And I realized, oh, this is why my child can't make friends because my child doesn't have a device by which she can text the other people. Finally, I had to break down and get her the phone so that she could actually engage with the kids. It was it was the most remarkable thing. All the other parents had given their kids phones and we hadn't. We kept our end of the deal, the I shall not deal, and then we were broken down because of all the other bad parents out there who gave their, their preteens who didn't even drive cell phones. They don't need cell phones at that age. Now my youngest, who is still too young to drive, he's 14, he's got a cell phone because he stays after school for tutoring and to run on, on the, they've got a, a, a cross-country trail and he likes to run the cross-country trail and we got to know when to come pick him up and by then the office is closed so he needs a phone to call us, but otherwise he wouldn't have a phone. But all these people out there, I, all, all you single people listening to me right now and you're all, I'll never give my kid a screen. You sure will when you want to be left alone in the bathroom without your kids setting fire to the house or running outside as a three-year-old in the middle of the street getting run over. You're going to put an iPad in front of them, and you're going to turn on some stupid cartoon that's going to annoy you for the rest of your life as long as God knows it's not Caillou. They finally killed that kid. The only abortion that I ever cheered on was the Canadians killing Caillou. That kid was garbage. He needed to die. At least his cartoon did. I just, oh, what a horrible cartoon Caillou was. Those of you who know, you know why I'm telling the truth and you're not offended by what I just said because Caillou was garbage. But now what's the one, that the, 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 the baby shark or whatever? Good Lord, help us. My kids did not come of age then. They came of age when they were uh, ruining Scooby-Doo with, with retro remakes, but at least they had the original Tom and Jerry still. And we put our kids on iPads and loaded them up with the old classic cartoons that the, the, the wokes are opposed to. And we let our kids see Bugs Bunny and the Road Runner and Wiley Coyote and Tom and Jerry and, and even uh, the, the, the maid from Tom and Jerry that's now too politically incorrect and racist to be shown on TV. We showed them that. We even let our kids watch. You may need fainting salts for this. The Dukes of Hazard. And do you know what happened? Our kids stopped bothering us, asking 
insane questions. Daddy, can you stretch a spaghetti noodle from here to the moon and back? And how long would it be? I don't care. No, you can't. You're not going to do it. Daddy, can you do the Daddy, daddy, daddy. Give them a screen. They shut up. And now you got attorneys general suing Meta because parents decided to make their kids shut up by giving them screens. This is all insanity. Turn the damn thing off. If it's bothering you, if your kid's addicted, you are the parent. Take the screen back from the child. They will cry and complain until they find something else. It might be matches in your oven, but they'll find something else to distract themselves. And you may decide you'd rather your kid be addicted to the screen than not. And that's fine, too. When I was a kid, I had unfettered access to TV. Did I turn out? Don't answer that. All I'm saying is it's not all bad. And the fact that attorneys general from this nation have decided to sue one company, that's actually not the bigger problem. The, the YouTube and Google is, is far bigger, a bigger addiction, and kids find all sorts of bat crap crazy stuff on YouTube. They're going down the anti-Semite rabbit hole on YouTube and TikTok, and in fact, the Chinese are using TikTok to brainwash our kids. You don't see the attorneys general going after TikTok, which is peddling lies and disinformation to America's youth, turning them into raging anti-American anti-Semites who hate the Jews and the United States, but that's what they learn on TikTok. And also how boys can become girls. TikTok is the biggest purveyor of transgender nonsense in this country. And nope, they'd rather go after meta because the reels are too funny and the kids keep clicking on them. We have got our priorities in this country wrong. Parents should be the parents, not the attorneys general of America. And if YouTube or Facebook or any of them is addictive, well, turn them off. Take the device away. Ground your kid. Discipline your child. You know, if you've got an iPad or, or you can use the screen screen time and limit the amount of time they're allowed on it, you, the parent, are allowed to do that because you are the parent. And if you don't, we shouldn't be suing the companies. But if you're going to sue the companies, if you're going to sue Meta, why, for all that is decent and holy in God's name, are you not suing the Alphabet Company for YouTube? Because YouTube is far more of an addictive menace than Facebook. And your kids on YouTube can even find clips of Caillou, which makes it even more nefarious. Now I need to talk to you about Stamps.com, because if you're saving money with shipping packages this holiday season, you should use Stamps.com. I've been a business owner for 20 years using stamps.com. Uh, you know, it's gotten better over the years. It used to be you could print out postage instead of having to go to the post office to buy stamps. Now you can just send packages. The post office, UPS, you can do it all through stamps.com. Save up to 84% off shipping rates and find the fastest and the cheapest options to be able to ship packages. Right now, you can even take advantage of a great offer from stamps.com. You go to stamps.com, you sign up and you use code ERIC. Click on the microphone, put in my name. You get an offer. It's a four-week trial. You get free postage. You get a free digital scale. I had to buy my scale. I've been a member for so long. I didn't get the free digital scale. You can. And then here's what's great. You don't have a long-term commitment. Some of these sites, you have a commitment. You got a contract. You got to sign. Not stamps.com. Cancel at any time. But you get a four-week trial. You go to stamps.com. You click on the microphone. You put in my name, Eric. You start saving a day, and in fact, you can even arrange package pickup at your home or office so you never have to stand in line. It's fantastic. 
Stamps.com. Click on the microphone. Put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Start saving and shipping today. Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. You can remember it for next time because you dawdled and you didn't get on. (laughs) All right. Before I get out of here, um, Vladimir Putin has called a meeting of top security and law enforcement officials uh, after the mob stormed the airport in Dagestan after a plane from Israel landed there. Hundreds of angry men and boys rushed onto the tarmac at the airport in uh, uh, Makhachkala, the capital of the predominantly Muslim region, looking for Israeli passengers. Dagestan's Ministry of Health said more than 20 people were injured, two in critical condition. So the injured included police officers and civilians. The local interior ministry said 60 people were detained in the unrest. It was wild to see in that we're in the 21st century. We're in 2023. The left in this country has been able to both sides this or, or same, one side this for some time, saying, for example, that um, it was all on the right. Uh, what's his name? Paul Krugman did a piece a couple of years ago on how uh, the left and the world has to fear growing right-wing anti-Semitism, that it wasn't a thing that had to be feared on the left. And strangely, he has been very, very quiet about the progressive anti-Semitism we're seeing storm across America right now. It's notable what a partisan hack a guy like Krugman has become that he can only call out the other side and never his own. And that's part of the problem here, honestly, is too many people don't want to police their own side. There is this idea, it's taken off on the left and now beginning to take hold on parts of the right, Uh, that there's no enemy to the left of me or no enemy to the right of me. It is very pervasive and has been for a very long time on the left, that there's no enemy to the left of me, that all the fire must be pointed towards the right. And on the right, same thing. I I, The most hate mail I get from anyone is when I dare hold my own side accountable, uh, that, that I should be absolutely fixated on the left. Well, that's not intellectually honest. There are bad people on the right. We're seeing them. Uh, join the left in anti-Semitism right now. You got to hold your own side accountable or the voters will hold them accountable. I'd far prefer that I clean up my side than that the voters have to clean up my side because I failed to. It's a level of intellectual dishonesty that comes from people who want power above all else. And I think there are things, way more things, that we got to... We've got to call out to hold our side accountable because if we don't, it's not just that the voters, um, it's, it's not just that the voters will hold us accountable. It's that we will lose our way. And right now we're seeing the darkness creep back. And the darkness has always been there, but the darkness is creeping back onto the main stage now. The darkness is creeping in for everybody to see. And there are always those who say the darkness will not come for me, but the darkness comes for all. So what's the solution? I wrote about this this morning in my morning uh, piece that I send out to people by email. Uh, Your solution is love your neighbor. 
Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine. It's not for you to get revenge. It's for the Lord. Yours is to love your neighbor. And it's hard sometimes. I unfollowed someone this weekend from Instagram because uh, first she was all in favor of the of the cop city protesters and Antifa people in Atlanta. And now she's all in favor of we need a ceasefire and in Palestine because the Israelis are engaged in genocide. And she's a very smart person. I'm like, you're you're being a child or you're on the side of evil. It's it's funny how you always line up on the side of evil. And isn't it notable that all the people who are on the side of Antifa are on the side of Hamas? Is that not notable? At some point, you got to stop treating them like kids and realize they're on the side of evil. But you still have to love your neighbor, including them. And that's so freaking hard right now. So freaking hard to love your neighbor when they're on the side of evil and marching in the streets uh, and being idiots. But that's what you're called to do. No one ever said it would be easy. The darkness has creeped in, so be the light.